Welcome to Hit the Six. That was a bit of an abrupt ending, Michael. I was hoping you'd fade that out, but Freddie Mercury puts it better than either you or I can. We're the champions, and we're not just world champions in 50 over cricket. We're now world champions in 20 over cricket. It's a dynasty. What a day, Michael. DJ Bravo put it best. Champion, champion. Because that's us. We are the best in the world at white ball cricket in all formats. And we are unashamedly loving it here at Hit for Six. It's brilliant. It is absolutely brilliant. I don't think I've... I, I just... I don't think I've ever quite felt so so buoyant in a way as I did today. Because I think there was something... Well, I have this weird concept in my head of sort of sporting justice. That certain teams who are at a certain level should win things. So for me right now, like it's France's time to win the Rugby World Cup next year. And for England, we don't win and we haven't won historically as many ICC tournaments as we probably could or should have done. We probably should have won a World Cup in the, the late 80s, and early 90s. We probably should have won one of those Champions Trophy finals in the mid-2000s. And now we really should have won a World T20 as well as a World Cup in this kind of Butler, Rashid, Stokes era. And we've done it. And so that satisfaction for me of knowing that all those pointless bilateral series wins that were great, but didn't really mean anything, are now all part of a wider story where it was where England were, were really the dominant team because when it came to the big moments, when it came to the World Cups, they, they won them. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Don't, don't forget Morgs as well. Um, I think it was really sweet, you know, really nice actually him being on the comms and presenting at the ground on the day we finally won it because it is partly his team, you know. I know we've moved away from him a bit. We've embraced the dark side. We've got Alex Hales at the top and we love it. You in particular absolutely love it. Um, but, you know, if you say the uh, Butler, Rashid, you've got you to chuck Morgan in there as well as part of this whole dominant. Oh, of course. I, I only said them because they were people who'd, won both mm, their yeah. last time and this time but you know Morgan absolutely pivotal to all of it probably the most pivotal person to all of it in many ways uh, but yeah fantastic and we were hoping to watch the game together weren't we Michael but I managed to leave my phone on a Ryanair flight on Saturday oh, and that, that meant that um, when I was getting ready and working out what I was going to do I had a laptop and I couldn't you know, I had know your address but I've never been there and I wouldn't have Google Maps to be able to make sure I got there and I was in a bit of a rush and uh, there were no trains and so so we ended up watching it separately but talk me through your emotions from start to finish on on the the day the game what happened well I think you'll be quite disappointed in me because it's actually really good that you didn't come because I had a nightmare had a few too many uh had a few too many pickled eggs last night and woke up in Hackney, having crashed at a friend's house. I missed most of the first innings. So pretty diabolical for me. If I'm honest, I basically ruled out this game happening in my head because of the rain. Anyway, I wake up, absolute shocker. I've got a text from Nick, my housemate, saying, well, we know Michael's somehow missing this because he'd have already texted about how well I do what she's doing if he was if he was watching. So I only got to watch really the second innings. I've obviously been able to watch the entire first innings back now. I've watched all the clips. Um, but it's a good thing you didn't come ring on my doorbell because I wasn't actually there. That is good. And I would have paid about £25 for an Uber as well. So you would have been in my very worst books. So I'm pleased I, I went elsewhere to watch it. 
Um, for me, I, I was watching it at a, a good friend's house. Uh, he is of Pakistani origin, and I watched it with him right. and his parents. And so there were mixed emotions throughout. Because whenever they were happy, I was sad. And whenever uh, I was happy, they were sad. But I was, <clears throat> to be honest, a bit like in 2019. I think I was so nervous and so desperate for us to win. I didn't enjoy it properly until the Moeen Ali top edge four yeah. with the fourth boundary ball in it, in a row. At that point, I knew, okay, we've won this, so I can savour these last few moments. But before then, I had a sense of dread and the crowd and with Shaheen bowling so well. And and then, uh, indeed, all their seamers, particularly Harris Ralph bowling as well as that. I've, I've seen him go the distance so many times and he was bowling like a man possessed. And I thought, oh, here we go. And we looked like we were bottling it when Stokes and Brooke couldn't get it off the square. Um, and so it was a torturous and, yeah, really unenjoyable watch until towards the end and then i and then i was just loving it really nassim shah bowled beautifully that was one of the unluckiest zero 32s anyone's ever gonna have had yeah. he made stokes play a miss i think like four times in a row at one point and i loved the half appeal from this one but every single player miss from any england batsman and uh you just knew i think one of the third one of them you just knew it wasn't out but uh, to be honest, i was a bit nervous I stopped being nervous after the six. When the six was in the air, you're like, oh no, is he made? Is he caught it? Because he kind of hit it quite in an unnatural way. You know what I mean? He kind of stepped back and levered it rather than being able to put his whole body weight through it. And so I thought, oh no, he's not hit that far enough. And then when that sailed over Baba's head, I thought, okay, we're fine now. He's done it. Like the four and the six, it, it, it was almost back to a runner ball. And I felt pretty fine from that point onwards. And obviously the Moeen fours. I mean, when you hear the commentator say, oh, that sounded good as the ball whizzes off, that's a nice feeling. So yeah, I, I felt pretty pretty good about it. How was the uh, bowling, Rob? Seeing as I missed all of that. How was the first innings? How did you feel during that? Um, I felt I, well, I, I felt fine. I felt more in control. They never really looked like getting away, but I was... It didn't look easy to bat on, I think was all I'd say. And when you know you're probably going up against the team with the best bowling attack in, in the competition certainly the best seam bowling attack in the competition uh, and they were struggling as much to not only hit Curran but also Jordan I I was a bit worried knowing thinking of what might be to come but what I would say about the bowling is that really the two standouts were, were Curran and Rashid and Sam Curran's about what three for 12 from four overs 15 dots so of the 24 balls he bowled 15 of them were dot balls. Unbelievable. Uh, and three were wickets. <laughs> yeah, although I don't know. Do they count wickets as included as part of dot balls? Shouldn't be. Should be a... Should well, be a well they, they are a dot ball, right? Because no run comes off them. No, but that's still a wicket. I would, I, would, I would interpret that as a different category. Okay, fair enough. Um, regardless, um, the, the point being, hardly went for a run. Bowled superbly yet again. We have historically been a little bit critical of the current brothers on this podcast, not primarily just because we've never been quite sure whether they're, they're good enough. And I can say with confidence now, he certainly is you know, man of the match in the final player of the tournament. He is going to get a whopping IPL deal. I mean, he is going to get the IPL deal to end all IPL deals. <laughs> he, yeah. he, I mean, cause, Cause he is brilliant and he can bat more than he showed in this. He bats free for Zoe in T20s, you know, like it's, if he keeps developing as he has been, he's really young still. 
he'll keep shifting his way up to England, or I imagine in T20s to the extent that I think he'll end up batting around six for us in T20s. If he, you know, if he's working on that side of his game as well, and then you've got you know a deft bowling specialist takes wickets in the middle overs, takes catches and celebrates as he catches them, which I love, and bats six. Whether we like character as much, whatever I don't know, but. I- well, it's interesting that in terms of character, I love his character because I think he's such a. I love his character as because he's playing for my team. I I, I think regardless, I, I love pl- cricketers or sports people generally because I'm not one of them who really fights to the death. They don't know they're beaten until they're beaten. So I know what I'm beaten about ten minutes before I'm beaten. But he's one of those players who he'll go for a six, he'll get hit for another six, and he'll come back and running just as hard. He'll still back his variations, and I think he's shown a. A real step up in in maturity, but also kept that yeah, real tenacity and competitiveness. I, I'm very very comfortable eating eating humble pie with him. I've even got a WhatsApp message I sent to a friend when we were talking about the England World T20 squad, probably back in June or July, and I was like, "No currents, please." Uh, and now to think, however many months onwards, and we've had a current in that team from the start, and he's been our best player. Fair play to him. Uh, but on the flip side, to make us not sound like complete mugs, Michael, um, the most beloved cricketer of this podcast, primarily down to yourself, um, Adil Rashid, I think it was one of his best performances for England that I that I can remember. And particularly because of that was one over where Livingston, I think he went for 16, went for 14 or 16. And 16. it just felt that Pakistan was starting to get some momentum. And that could be the turning point. I think it was Sean Masood and, and Baba at the crease at the time. And then Rashid, he got Baba out with a googly. He could never pick his googly. Got him out caught and bowled. And then proceeded to bowl five dot balls in a row to Iftikhar. A wicket maiden in what was, what, the 11th or 12th over of their innings. And the, all the momentum they'd gained from that slightly poor Livingston over had not been stopped, but completely reversed. And it was, and then their innings kind of petered out, and they they got the low total that they did. And I think, mm. yeah, that was the probably the most key moment, the key over of the match. And you've you've said it from day one. He's England's boy, and I think we have to say he's he's got to be one of our all time greats when it comes to spin bowling. I mean, there's nothing much more satisfying than when a googly properly does a batsman. I remember in the 2019 World Cup when we smashed Australia in the semis. Do you remember the googly that got stoyness? Yes, that was just like he was playing a late cut. And it just turned bold him. And um, it's really satisfying when a batsman doesn't pick it. Again, for your team or for any, actually just generally watching leg spin. Um, and just how cramped and awkward Baba, Baba was because he just didn't pick it at all, did he? Such a satisfying way to see someone get out. Because, um, you know, he's, the bowlers probably got them out. Uh, and his first wicket, they clearly had a bit of a plan. Didn't they were going to take him down. We're going to be aggressive. First ball plomped to catch straight to Stokes. So no, he, he's been brilliant and he he hasn't looked like himself for quite a while. And he had a bad summer and he wasn't great in the um the bilateral kind of warm-ups before this, so the Pakistan and the Australia games. And he wasn't great in the first few games of this tournament. And then suddenly he's just getting into rag and he slowed his pace down, he looks in control again. And he was a massive part of us winning against Sri Lanka. It was an unbelievable spell. He um actually bowled all right against New Zealand. He got unlucky to be pumped by Phillips after having had Mo drop a dolly. Um, and he was brilliant. He was unbelievable against India, who are obviously really good players of spin. And he still had them in knots. So no, I'm 
I couldn't be happier that my boy Adil Rashid has won the World Cup for England. Uh, yeah, it's delightful. Great. I mean, one thing, of course, we haven't spoken about because we didn't do a podcast after it as I was in, in Budapest was the semi-final win against India, which probably when people look back on this tournament will be, that may be an India's win against Pakistan. They'll be the two games that will stick in people's memories for the longest. But the way Hales and Butler made such a mockery of that run chase, eased themselves to 170 for no loss. It was a, that was a special game, wasn't it? It was insane. I mean, I, did you? I think we were talking, weren't we, Rob? And we weren't. We didn't think it'd be an easy chase, and they just obliterated them. And this is India. India should be the best. I actually think India should start to belong in the South Africa category when it comes to major tournaments in terms of bottle jobs. I think that's harsh to say, given they've won, in comparison to South Africa's one like Champions Trophy in 1998. They've won even in the in the 21st century. They've won what a couple of Champions Trophies. 50 over World Cup, a T20 World Cup. So recently, I, recently, I don't think they can they compare. Recently, what have they won? They won the 2014 World Cup in India. 2011, even. 2011. What have they won since? Nothing since. How sweet is that? Yeah, so I'm saying, I think they've started to... The generation of cricketers they've had, they are kings of the bilateral, kings of the bilateral meaningless, but they're not winning tournaments and they should win tournaments. The amount of money in Indian cricket you know, they run the world game. They have the greatest, by a long way, most popular, most high quality um, franchise tournament in the IPL. They should do better, but they pick weird teams and they and they play an old fashioned form of cricket. I think this is about to be a bit of a, I think in the same way, there's a bit of a reckoning coming for Australian cricket, the T20s, which I think they're going to overhaul the team and do things a bit differently, despite them winning it last year weirdly um i think there's also going to be a bit of a reckoning with it, the indian national team and their approach to t20s because they have an old-fashioned style where they bat slow and then back on exploding at the end and it doesn't compare great when you look at it in comparison to ours or pakistan's so yeah I, it was an incredible semi-final and it put me in a really good mood for that entire day yeah, I was celebrating wildly in Marshmallow's Hungarian office, in which I was getting a lot of blank looks from my colleagues because I was the only person there. Who... Reading the live text, right? That's how you're following it? I was reading the live text. I also had my work VPN on, so I could watch the little the little live feed um, videos as well, which b- before I put the work VPN on said were not available in my in my country. But once I um, put the VPN on, I could watch those as well. So that's how I, how I followed along. But I'm um, interesting what you said about India. Completely agree they play an outdated and old-fashioned way, really. They, they, they look like they're slightly behind the times, certainly compared to us. I don't know whether that reckoning will happen straight away. I think the 50-over the World Cup in their own country next year will be particularly telling. I think if they don't win that and that goes wrong as well, then there will be a a, a deeper reckoning with Indian cricket. And to the point about the IPL and how it's the, the biggest and probably best 2020 league, not many of their players play a lot of other franchise cricket around the world. And I think I think that hinders them. You look at someone like Hales, who's played in, particularly during the last three years in his international wilderness 
days, he's been playing in all sorts of different franchise leagues with different teams, different players, uh, different parts of the world. And, and I, I think how we approach cricket is a bit more probably benefits from that sort of experience where they feel a little bit insular. And then when they turn up on the big stage, they're, they're maybe a little bit behind the times compared to New Zealand or ourselves, where a lot of those guys play in all sorts of different tournaments, big bash, IPL, PSL, 100, T20 Blast, etc. I mean, it's interesting, actually, isn't it? Almost all of our team has played big bash. Um, some of them have done it very successfully. And it's funny how much we've changed since the days of KP, you know, moaning and fair enough he moaned about this not being able to do any kind of franchise cricket because the central contract he was on was so restrictive and we've, we've changed such in such a positive way since then where players probably feel a lot happier playing for us while also being able to balance it with their other endless cricket commitments um but no i think you're right rob they probably do suffer from that and maybe i think there's an air of complacency if you play in the ipl that's enough because i guess that also pays more than enough so maybe there isn't yeah. doesn't feel like that pressure pressure to go and play elsewhere. In, no. Interesting that point on franchise leagues and how loads of our players can go and play in different places, but also play for England. I think we're really benefiting from having such strength and depth because, I don't know, if I went to a, a T20 at the Oval and our, there was no Hales, Butler, well, Stokes hardly ever plays T20 internationals apart from this World Cup, but yes, no, maybe no Rashid or whatever. But I, there was still a team that included people like Banton and Vince and Will some, Jacks. Yeah, and and some of the guys in the the squads who didn't get much of a run out, like Tamil Mills and David Willey. I wouldn't feel shortchanged by that because there's so many box office players. You know, I love to go and watch um will jacks go and, and biff a few and tyler mills running and bowl some heat even if it's not maybe our best possible team so i think in years gone by there were there were concerns and i think probably legitimately from the ecb that if you turn up and there's there's no kevin peterson or andrew flintoff playing in your limited overs team then what well that's what i've come to go and watch and i think how england play across the board now and that yeah that strength and depth really helps uh, the kind of ECB and English cricket navigate that that situation. Probably still a little bit trickier in Test cricket, and it's well, this will open a can of worms, so we're not going to talk about it now. But it, our Test team, despite a successful summer, is well, well behind where our where our white ball team is. And why that is, you know, you're looking at the caliber of players who maybe play Test cricket compared to our limited overs cricket, that kind of thing. It's it's an interesting one, but that's for another day, I think. So what, talking about strength and depth, it should be noted that yeah, we've won this World Cup and I think this was a World Cup we had to win because our players and our kind of batting is really suited to Australian pitches a lot more than we were suited to those UAE pitches last year. So I think this is the one that have, out of the two that have said, this storm we've got to win. But despite, the, despite that, despite that our players have got lots of experience in Australian conditions and we're suited for it for various reasons, we're missing big people. Missing best though. Um, would got wooden man getting injured at the end. Um, no topley, he got he 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 went. Archer's obviously been gone forever, but if he was around, based on what he'd done, he'd definitely be in this T20 team. And there's other people missing as well, who I can't remember now, but like there's a long list of quality, quality players that weren't available to us for this tournament, and yet still we've managed to win it. So that strength and depth is remarkable. England can put out two incredibly good white ball sides that would compete. 
and you look at other teams and they don't have that depth. For sure. We could have a a full second 11. Take the 11 that played today and take another 11 made up of injured players or those who don't play T20 cricket because like Root, for example. Um, but if you had like a Bairstow, Root, Banton, Milan team with Topley and Archer and Matt Parkinson maybe and... Yeah, David like, Willey. Yeah, David Willey. That, that team has a very good shot of winning a World T20, independently of our team that just did it. We have two teams that you would, if they were another country, we would go into the tournament and they'd say, well, that England B team, whatever they'd be called, they they look like one of the favourites and could easily beat the other team. That it's, it's an amazing position to be in. And that's what's so sweet about what happened today, because the victory was a real solidifying of that kind of sense of a dynasty of a, of a legacy uh, we are the we have been the best white ball team in the world pretty much from that first odr against new zealand where it was this kind of new way of playing new brand england and and this has pretty much spanned our entire relationship michael from that moment onwards we have been the best team in the world and we've now proven it by winning two different format world cups and in that time also making the final and the semi-finals of the two other ICC tournaments that happened during that time. Yeah. Also really nice because it's an ageing team. So it's good it's happened now. And they've got that trophy to go with that dominance, like you said, because I think the majority of the squad are over 30. Um, you know, they're not going to be around forever. Whereas you look at the Pakistan team, and I think there were four players aged 24 or under. Um, like that was a young team, only a couple over 30. And that's a really exciting team, kind of starting a journey. Whereas I think we're kind of at, this is a bit of a victorious, not end, because obviously they're, they're still going to be around for a bit, but they're nearer the end than the beginning, most of most of the team that won today. Yeah, for sure. And it'll be interesting to see how that team develops and evolves as we head towards the 50th World Cup next year, where we'll, of course, be defending one of our two titles. Uh, but no, I think... Yeah, really great. And I think for me, I was really worried actually this morning because it's been a terrible weekend for English sport because the women's rugby team who hadn't had won 30 something games in a row and hadn't lost a game and he hadn't even looked like losing a game since the last World Cup final, which they lost, lost the World Cup final to New Zealand in New Zealand on Saturday morning. And then the rugby league team somehow lost to Samoa, who they'd beaten by about 50 points in the group stages in the semi-finals of our home rugby league World Cup. And I was thinking, oh, this is so depressing. And so it was really nice that at least one of those three World Cup final semi-finals happening this weekend went our way. Uh, and obviously, from our perspective, from, from my perspective, the only one I, I really care yeah. about. I, I'm selfishly very pleased this is the one that went our way. Oh, 100%. Yeah. I, yeah, if you had to offer me one of the three, it'd be missed by a mile. Ooh. Then probably the women's rugby and then, then the rugby league after that. But... <laughs> Um, I was worried it's going to be a it was going to be a whole weekend of England bottling it, but no, not not when it came to the, the cricket, which is which is fantastic. But Rob, I have to say I'm surprised that you felt sick for the whole thing and that you. I mean, I know I know you're pleased and delighted, but for me this was the Rob Starman derby. You know, England Pakistan in the final. It's kind of like which do which do your kids do you love more? I assumed you'd be fine with either result. Oh, well, if we could lose to anyone, it would be them. They are, I do love them so much. But I, for me, is is if this was like a normal, if there's been a final where we had like fluked our way to the final and it was like a bit of a shot to nothing, then I probably would have been a bit more relaxed about it. But for all we've said, that sense of, 
we've been the best team forever and we just need to prove it. And the idea of losing to like a, a Pakistan team carrying some absolute passengers like Iftikhar and Mohammed Nawaz, Iftikhar the idea of them it. being world champions over our all-star world conquering team would have been so depressing so that's why i was so nervous but if we were if any other team was to win it it'd be them and i think as you said they've got such a bright future particularly that seam attack i know wazim didn't have his best day but he's in his early 20s obviously shaheen he's still dead young what 20 he's only like 22 23 he's amazing he looks old his face he's got an old face but what a jawline and oh, he's, he's amazing i love him yeah uh, and of course um nasim and then mohammed harris as well i think he was a real discovery for them rizwan and baba will be around for a while i think pakistan will be very a very difficult team to beat in the world cup next year 50 overs obviously wish shaheen the best in his recovery because it's really important he's fully fit for that tournament because he'll be pivotal to their success but could very well see them Imagine that. Oh, imagine Pakistan beating India in India in the 2023 World Cup final. I think that would be one of the sweetest things to happen in all of cricket. But um, we'll see. But I think they're really well placed. But this tournament was our tournament. And it's just so great that we we got it done. Sweet that we did it in Australia as well. Very sweet. Take their titles away from them. Set up the dynasty. They got knocked out and it wasn't even really their fault. We, either of us could have been knocked out. Kind of makes it sweeter. Um so, yeah, buzzing. Any other particular notable standouts from this England squad that you want to talk about, Rob? Uh, other than we've, we've talked about Karen, we've talked about Rashid. Anyone else? Well, the one I want to talk about is someone who hardly did anything, which was Liam Livingston. And I thought that in itself showed how good we are because he is absolute box office and he could win games on his own and we hardly needed him. And he didn't play actually particularly well. He didn't bowl as well as I've seen him bowl and didn't bat as well as we've seen him bat. But for me, for the, the notion that we almost could have replaced him with me and still won the tournament is, I think, is extra evidence of how well so many of the other guys played, particularly Butler, Hales, Stokes with the bats and Curran, Rashid, even Wokes, Wood with the ball. For me, that was I was expecting him to be an absolutely key player for us this tournament. And the fact he wasn't, I said, says less about him, but more about us and how good we are. If that makes sense. That, that was my final thought. Would you would you have uh, held those catches in the deep though that he took today, the two identical catches? Would you have in fact he took, I believe I thought he took three. Um right. I I back myself. I'm better over a, a high catch in the deep than I am one drilled to me in, in the infield. Okay, fair enough. We'll have to we'll have to test it. Get get down to a park on November weekend. I'll pump some uh, cricket balls up in the air. That'd be a very good. That'd be some good content, actually, wouldn't it? A catch a high ball catching competition between me and you. That would be good content. Well, I look forward to doing that with you, Michael. Um, hey, I've I've got to go and watch a bit of Matt Hancock and his next Bush Tucker trial. But until the next time, great to chat to you and double world champions. Champion, champion.